10-Minute Murder contains depictions of actual crimes. What you are about to hear is real and violent in nature. Discretion is advised. This is 10-Minute Murder. Welcome to 10-Minute Murder, the brief and bingeable true crime podcast. Hi, I'm Joe, the host, and thank you for being here. If you're new here, welcome. Get comfortable. Not too comfortable, though, because this is just 10 minutes, not 10 days. So keep your pants on and use a coaster. I don't need rings on my coffee table. If by the end of this episode you think you would like to hear more, then be sure to subscribe and you won't miss any episodes in the future. If you don't like it, that's cool, too. I mean, you're wrong, but that's cool. Connect with 10 Minute Murder on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Most of the time, I post visuals to the episodes that we're talking about, like last episode, The Black Widow. I mentioned during that that one of her victims was seen in a wheelchair being pushed around Walmart with cans of diesel fuel on his lap. And somehow there's a picture of that floating around, and I've posted it, and you can see it. So connect with the show on social media. The story today is really unusual. Going to therapy is a healthy and proactive way to help yourself with whatever you may be going through. As adults, especially during these weird times, stressors come at you from all different sides. As a child, stressors that are forced upon you are no less easy to deal with. No child deserves the trauma caused by a neglectful parent. Candace Newmaker was taken out of that toxic situation and adopted by a parent that thought a particular type of therapy would help. It didn't. It killed her. Candace Newmaker was born in Lincolnton, North Carolina, November of 1989, with the name Candace Elmore. Her parents, Angela and Todd Elmore, lost custody of Candace, along with her siblings, Michael and Chelsea. Social services intervened and removed them for neglect. Their parental rights were terminated. I'm not sure how much you know about it, but I can tell you as an adoptive dad, familiar with the procedures of how and when the state will remove a child from their birth family forever, it takes a substantial amount of proof that the parents aren't providing and will never be able to provide a safe environment for the child, with even just the basic needs being met. So Candace, at age five, and her siblings had no doubt been through more hell than many of us will ever go through. Two years later, Candace was adopted by Jean Newmaker, a single pediatric nurse practitioner in Durham, North Carolina. As is common with many kids that have been adopted with a rough background, Jean took Candace to a psychiatrist. She had been acting out at home and had a really bad attitude. She was treated with medications, and over the next two years, her behavior seemed to only get worse. There have been reports of Candace playing with matches, which most kids do, and killing goldfish, which would have personally scared me to death. Jean felt like she needed to do something else to help Candace. Something a little more drastic. At the suggestion and referral of William Goebel, a licensed psychologist in North Carolina, Candace and Jean traveled to Evergreen, Colorado in April of 2000 for two weeks of intensive attachment therapy sessions. 
These sessions were with Connell Watkins. Connell didn't have a license for doing this and was operating out of her basement. And I know what you're thinking. What in the Groupon discount is happening here? But this two weeks of sessions cost Jean $7,000. Before we dive into what exactly happened to Candace, let me explain what the internet says about attachment therapy. Attachment therapy known as the Evergreen Model, Holding Time, Compression Therapy, Coercive Restraint Therapy, and Rebirthing is a pseudoscientific child mental health intervention to treat attachment disorders. Attachment therapy is a treatment primarily used with fostered or adopted children who have behavioral difficulties, sometimes severe, but including disobedience and perceived lack of gratitude or affection for their caregivers. The children's problems are ascribed to an inability to attach to their new parents because of suppressed rage due to past maltreatment and abandonment. The common form of attachment therapy is holding therapy, in which a child is firmly held or lain upon by therapists or parents. Through this process of restraint and confrontation, therapists seek to produce in the child a range of responses such as rage and despair with the goal of achieving catharsis. In theory, when the child's resistance is overcome and the rage is released, the child is reduced to an infantile state in which he or she can be reparented by methods such as cradling, rocking, bottle feeding, and enforced eye contact. The aim is to promote attachment with the new caregivers. Control over the children is usually considered essential, and the therapy is often accompanied by parenting techniques which emphasize obedience. These accompanying parenting techniques are based upon the belief that a properly attached child should comply with parental commands fast, snappy, and right the first time, and should be fun to be around. This form of therapy, including diagnosis and accompanying parenting techniques, is not specifically validated, nor is it considered to be a part of mainstream psychology. It is, despite its name, not based on attachment theory, which is considered to be incompatible. In April of 2000, Candace began treatment using this form of therapy, given by Connell Watkins and assisted by Julie Ponder, who also was without a license. Following the script for that day's treatment, Candace was wrapped in a flannel sheet and covered with pillows to simulate a womb or birth canal and was told to fight her way out of it with the apparent expectation that the experience would help her attach to her adoptive mother. Four adults in the room, weighing a combined total of 673 pounds, used their hands and feet to push on Candace's head, chest, and 70-pound body to resist her attempts to free herself while she complained, pleaded, and even screamed for help and air, unable to escape the sheet. Candace stated 11 times during the session that she was dying, to which Ponder responded, Go ahead, die right now, for real, for real. 20 minutes into the session, Candace had vomited and defecated inside the sheet. She was nonetheless kept restrained within. 40 minutes into the session, Candace was asked if she wanted to be reborn. She faintly responded, no. This would ultimately be her last word. To this, Ponder replied, quitter, 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 quitter. Quit, 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 quit. She's a quitter. Jean Newmaker, who said later that she felt rejected by Candace's inability to be reborn, was asked by Watkins to leave the room in order for Candace to not pick up on Jean's sorrow. That left only Ponder and Watkins in the room with Candace. After talking for five minutes, 
the two unwrapped Candace and found that she was motionless, blue on the fingertips and lips, and not breathing. Upon seeing this, Watkins declared, Oh, there she is. She's sleeping in her vomit. Jean, who had been watching on a monitor in another room, rushed into the room and remarked on Candace's color. Immediately began CPR, while Watkins called 911. When paramedics arrived 10 minutes later, they told them that Candace had been left alone for five minutes during a rebirthing session and was not breathing. The paramedics surmised that Candace had been unconscious and possibly not breathing for some time. The paramedics restored her pulse and was flown by helicopter to a hospital in Denver. However, she was declared brain dead the next day as a consequence of asphyxia. The entire fatal session, as well as 10 hours of other sessions from the preceding days, had been videotaped as a matter of course with Watkins' treatment. All the videos were shown at the trial of Watkins and Ponder. A year later, Watkins and Ponder were tried and convicted of reckless child abuse resulting in death and received 16-year prison sentences. The adoptive mother, Jean Newmaker, pleaded guilty to neglect and abuse charges and was given a four-year suspended sentence, after which the charges were expunged from her record. An appeal by Watkins against conviction and sentence failed. Watkins was paroled in 2008 under intense supervision with restrictions on contact with children or counseling work, having served approximately seven years of her 16-year sentence. The story of Candace's death made national news. The case was the motivation behind Candace's law in Colorado and North Carolina, which outlawed dangerous reenactments of the birth experience. The U.S. House of Representatives and Senates have separately passed resolutions urging similar actions in other states. That's today's 10-minute murder, the brief and bingeable true crime podcast. Before you go anywhere, check where you're listening right now and make sure you are subscribed to 10-Minute Murder. When you subscribe, you get the episodes as soon as they come out, without delay. Now, I've had a few people ask what the delay thing is all about, so let me explain it to you the best I can based on the knowledge that I have. There are some podcast hosting apps, like specifically Apple, that when I upload an episode, they let you download it and listen to it immediately if you're a subscriber. If you aren't, it could take up to a day later. Whenever their little program that they use to check to see if there's a new episode checks in and makes it available to everyone. I'm not sure about how all the apps do it, but I know this one does it for sure. Personally, Apple is my favorite one to use, so I know that if I really care about when I'm getting a show, I subscribe to it. So I hope that clears it up on that. Thank you for listening to 10 Minute Murder. Have a good night.